Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, and I want to preach a message entitled Emmanuel. This morning we are going to begin our series, our Christmas series, that we are calling A Journey to the Manger. Uh, John T. over at our Access Campus and I are preaching uh, the same text each Sunday morning in, in December. I'm stepping away for four weeks uh, from our, our study in the Gospel according to Luke. We've been, we've been in that study for a year and three months already. And uh, we've made it to chapter 10, as you know. But for the next four weeks, I'm going to step away from the Gospel according to Luke and we are going to look at four Old Testament passages that prophesied the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our King, is the greatest gift that we have ever been given. Now, through the years, there have been some sought-after gifts for children. Um, all of us remember Beanie Babies. Uh, we all remember the Cabbage Patch Kids. Uh, we all uh, remember Power Rangers. Leslie and I have a story about Power Rangers. I have to tell you sometime. Uh, we all remember Tickle My Elbow or Elmo or, or whatever that is. We, we all remember that. When I was growing up, I, I wanted an Etch-A-Sketch. I tell you what, I loved Etch-A-Sketch. I was... I was an expert stair maker. Anybody, anybody else can make stairs? Uh, and what I loved about it is when you messed up and you did, you just had to shake it like this right here. I loved an Etch-A-Sketch. And then if you're around my age, I'm 55, uh, if you're around my age, do you remember Pong? you remember that first thing on the television, that ping-pong thing that went doing like that and... Boink, and then it, boink, like that, and boink. How many of you remember that? How many of you? Yes, 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 yes. We're having flashbacks, aren't we? Because it got exciting when it ricocheted, didn't it? Because it went, boink, boink. And then, I mean, our whole life turned upside down. We, we remember things like that. Those are great gifts, but I'm telling you what, the greatest gift we received over 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem. And his name was Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And so take your Bible. I want to read one verse of Scripture. This will be our text this morning. And if you would stand all over the auditorium, if you're willing and able. Isaiah 7, and we're going to look at verse 14. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before You and Father, we thank You so much that we can be right here, right now. 
And Father, I just pray that you would help us this morning to see what we need to see. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would touch every heart beginning with my heart. I thank you, God, for such a wonderful time of lifting our hearts and lifting our voices in adoration and in praise to our God. And now I pray, Father, that we might praise you through sermon, that we might praise you through message. I ask for clarity of thought this morning, and I pray, Father, Lord God, if you would, would you just draw a circle around this preacher and let the fire of heaven fall, and we will thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Theologians tell us that this passage of Scripture is one of the hardest to understand. Not really the verse that we just read, not really uh, the, the text for the morning. Uh, that, that verse is not that hard to understand. Uh, for some people, it is hard to accept the doctrinal truth of that verse. But it is the context that that for some is very difficult to understand. It is a context, it is a story of conflict and warfare. When you look at what's going on in Isaiah chapter 7, um, King Ahaz, the king of Judah, is shaking in his boots. And all of Jerusalem with him. The Bible says earlier that they were shaking like the trees in a forest. And what was going on is two powerful kingdoms from the north were threatening uh, the king of Judah. And so what happens is this. Um, God sends Isaiah, that great prophet of yesteryear. God sends Isaiah to King Ahaz and tells King Ahaz to ask God for a sign. In a state of false humility, but really in a state of unbelief and trying to dismiss God, King Ahaz refuses. And he says, I'm not going to ask God for a sign. He was trying to align with another kingdom. He didn't want to align with the Almighty. And so what God does is, is God says, all right, if you won't ask for a sign, listen, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And that's sort of the context of what's going on. The sign that God gives, I believe with all of my heart, has a close-up fulfillment. And that's the one that is sort of difficult to understand, and, and we're not going to deal with that this morning. But it also has a faraway fulfillment in that day, and that's what we're going to look at today. That faraway fulfillment had to do with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there are three things that I want you to notice about this passage of Scripture uh, this morning. First of all, simply, I want us to see the sign. The sign. When you look at, at verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. I love the way that verse begins. The Lord himself. You see, man created candy canes and gumdrops. And I love candy canes and gumdrops. But man created that. 
Man created uh, a lot of the trappings around Christmas and a lot of the story around Christmas. Man created Amazon Prime delivery, and I love Amazon Prime delivery, but man created that. But God gave the message of Christmas. Amen? God did. That's why it says here, the Lord himself. And I want you to know that he did it at just the right time. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, these words. Paul said to the church of Galatia, But when the fullness of the time had come, look at this, God sent forth His son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the fullness of time had come. At the exact right time. One writer put it like this. Born under the conditions of the law so that he might redeem those of us who had been kidnapped by the law. The Bible says the Lord himself, notice this, will give you a sign. Now that word sign is an interesting word in the Hebrew language. It means evidence of something. When you look at the etymology of that word, it means a mark or it means a token. It means a pledge. It means a proof. Now, you and I, we know what a sign is. A sign points to something. All of us have driven on the interstate and and we see signs on the interstate, we, we see signs for McDonald's. McDonald's exit 225, 226, 229, 235, and 241. I mean, you see signs that point to McDonald's. Because we live in Chattanooga, every one of us have seen a sign for Rock City. Amen? I mean, I, I think there's a Rock City sign on the moon. I, I really do. I mean, we see signs for Uh, Rock City everywhere. Um, On the interstate, my favorite sign, you know of course what it is. It's it's when it says Cracker Barrel next exit. I I love that sign. But you don't really need that sign because you can see the glow over the building. You you don't need the sign. But, But a sign points to something. And our scripture says this, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is pointing to something, and that something quickly is the second point, and that is this the sun. The sun. Notice what it says here Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. I love the word behold. I want you to look at your neighbor and smile real big and real loud. Just say, Behold. Look at your other neighbor and say it. Say, behold. Hopefully that did what the word was supposed to do. It's supposed to wake you up. All right? That, that word, behold, wakes you up. It arrests attention. It, it's like a divine highlighter. It, it, is, it is a word that uh, means this is significant. Don't miss this. Whatever you do, pay attention. He says, behold, listen, the virgin shall conceive and bear A son. Now when you look at that word virgin, it means a young, unmarried woman 
that is of marriable age, that, that, that can be married. A young married woman that's reached the age where she can be married. In the Hebrew, that's what the word means. It also means a young maiden. It can also be used for a virgin. And there have been pages and pages and pages and, and all kinds of ink spilled trying to discredit the virgin birth because this word could mean any of that. What the Holy Spirit of the living God does is God picks this passage up out of the Old Testament from the prophet Isaiah and drops it in the Gospels. And we're going to see that in just a moment, but, but I just want you to think about something. For this to be a sign, uh, notice again our text in, in Isaiah seven fourteen. for this to be a sign, therefore the Lord himself, not, not man, this was not cooked up by man, is going to give you a sign. Notice, behold, pay attention, don't miss this, wake up. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, if it just meant young maiden... Would that be a sign? I mean, all over this church, in, in all of these years, we've had young maidens. We've had young ladies uh, found with child. And so that is not a sign. But what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit uses Scripture in, in the Gospel. Uh, I want you to think about Matthew 1 and verse 23. Matthew 1, 23, the Bible says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. That word there means what it says. A virgin, one that had not been with a man, shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. I love this. Which is translated what? God with us. And then in Luke 1 and verse 26, the Bible says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Look at verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, listen, how can this be? How can I be with child? How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Amen? That is the virgin birth. That, that is what, what the Bible is talking about when it's dealing with this wonderful doctrine. This is a miracle. Some folks, the only miracle they know is the miracle on 34th Street. But this is the true miracle of Christmas. Charles Wesley said it like this, Late in time, behold him come. Offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, held the incarnate deity. This is the only time in history 
that a baby was conceived without the contribution of an earthly father. See the truth in Genesis 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed, notice this, and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You see, when we get to Christmas time, this doctrine of the virgin birth is so important. It is so important. Larry King, years ago, he said this. If I could interview anyone, I would interview Jesus Christ. And if I only had one question to ask Jesus, I would ask him this. Are you, were you virgin born? He said, because the answer to that would change my heart and change history. Can I tell you something, church? He was and it did. Amen? He was and it did. We see the sign. There's going to be a sign. We see the sun. And then the third and final thing, and I love this, we see the Savior. Look at what the Bible says. Again, our text, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Notice this. And shall call His name Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus was God walking in sandals upon this earth. The Bible says in John 1 and verses 1 and 2, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. He was in the beginning with God. And look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then Paul put it like this in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Notice, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. See the beauty, church. Listen, the beauty of the Christmas story is that when Jesus came, Jesus is fully God and He is fully man. This is the incarnation. Theologians call it the hypostatic union. It is an amazing doctrine. Emmanuel, God with us. As a man, he he lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and he died a sacrificial death. Because of this, we have hope. Amen? Amen? We have hope this morning. 
We can't really live much longer than 40 days without food. You can't live much longer than three days without water. You can't really live much longer than eight minutes without air and a heartbeat unless you're last and then you stretch it to 22 minutes somehow. But you really can't live one second without hope. A writer put it like this. A baby's hands in Bethlehem were small and softly curled, but held within their dimpled grasp the hope of all the world. See, Isaiah, this great prophet, was quoted more in the New Testament than any other prophet. He was quoted over 21 times. Some have called Isaiah the fifth gospel. And when you look at this incredible truth, that last phrase there in our text, he shall be called Emmanuel. You shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Say that with me. God with us. Say it one more time. God with us. Aren't you glad that Jesus is God? He is God. Now, those that knock on your door on Saturday morning, they, they don't believe this. They do not believe that Jesus is God. But the Bible, the Word of God, is replete with that truth that Jesus is God. He claimed to be God, and when others said He would God, was God, He didn't disagree with it at all. He is God. He is God. He is God. Because He's God, we worship Him. Emmanuel, God with. He is with us. He became man. This is the incarnation. He is with us. I put this in my notes, Isaiah 43 and verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. We believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And someone said it like this, if you, if you try to explain the Trinity, you will lose your mind. But if you try to explain it away, you will lose your soul. Because He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We, we believe the Bible teaches the Trinity. He is God with, and then listen, when He's with us, we walk with Him and He walks with us. As God, we worship Him. He is with us and so we walk with Him and He walks with us. And then that last word, God with, here it is, us. That's the gospel. We, we welcome Him. We welcome Him. He came to die on a cross for you and for me. Years ago, there was this fourth grader. His name was Wally, and he was as mean as he could be. 
All of the students of the school were scared to death of Wally, and most of the teachers were scared of Wally. And this fourth grade teacher was going to put on a Christmas play and tried, tried her best to figure out what part Wally could play. And the only part that she could come up with was the innkeeper. Because the innkeeper only had two lines, and she thought, Wally can do that. Wally, Wally at least can remember two lines. The first line was, what do you want? She said, he's perfect for that. His persona, his, his, just his personality, the whole thing, he can do that. What do you want? And then his second line was, the inn is full. She said, man, he can, he can nail that too. So they practiced and practiced and practiced, and he was perfect in practice. And it came to the day of the Christmas play in front of the whole school and parents and everyone. And, and sure enough, it came to his first line. And when Mary and Joseph came to the, to the door of the inn, he looked at them and he said, what do you want? And then when they said what they said, and he said, the inn is full. But then they walked and they began to turn. And Wally was overcome with emotion. And he said, hey, come on back. We can find your room. And he began to cry. And the crowd didn't know what to think. But he had been overcome with that play and the truth. Come on back. We can find you a room. I think the question this Christmas, truly, is, is do you have room in your heart? For Jesus. We've seen it all over social media for years and years. He is the reason for the season. There's no doubt about it. Do you have room in your heart for Jesus? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We're going to have a time of, of decision. If you're here today and you have never given your heart to Christ, you have, you have never made room in, in your heart for Jesus, I want to encourage you in just a moment to walk down and place your hand in mine and just say, Preacher, I want to make that decision. I want to ask Christ to be my Savior. Something's happening in my heart right now. I want my life changed. If you're here today and you need to make that decision, I want to encourage you to do that. Others, uh, this altar is open. These steps here that we call an altar, they're open for you to come and get on bended knee. Maybe you've got a, a need in your heart that you need to lay at this altar. Maybe you want to pray for yourself. Maybe you want to pray for a neighbor or friend, our church. You can come and 
Peter says to cast all of your care upon Him because He cares for you. Maybe you want to come and you want to do that very thing. Or maybe this morning, maybe this morning you want to come and you've been saved, but you need to be baptized and you want to make that commitment. We're going to baptize, Lord willing, the very first Sunday of the new year. The very first Sunday of the new year, we're going to baptize have a time of baptism. If, you, if you've been saved but never baptized, you can come and, and make that decision to be baptized. Or maybe today is the day you want to join this church. We'd love to have you. But right now, would you stand? I'm going to pray. As we pray, come to this altar. Make a decision for the King. His name is Jesus. Father, God, we bow before you. And Lord, I just pray. Father, I just pray that this morning that we would listen to that still, small voice and that we would have a ready yes in our heart. Father, for that one, two, or more that they're standing here in this place and today is the day that they need to come to Christ. I pray that they will not put that off, Lord. Father, for those that need to be baptized, begin the new year, I pray that this morning that they would come and commit to that. Father, bless those at the altar and those that want to unite with this church. I pray that nothing would hinder, that we would be obedient. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing, if God's spoken, you come.